The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to the Liberty Alert with Gregory Seltz. Sponsored by our friends at the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberties here in Washington, D.C. A program that cuts through the chaos and confusion in the culture today by talking to kingdom citizenship, bold biblical principles for a robust public Christian life. And now your host, Dr. Gregory Seltz. Good day, good day, Washington, D.C., and friends of the program all around the country. I'm Gregory Seltz. Welcome to the Liberty Alert, where every week we try to cut through the noise and take on the issues, especially the public issues, that matter to you, people of faith. But I'm always amazed to hear people say that the Word of God isn't relevant to today's issues. Are you kidding me? I mean, selfishness, crime, relationship, brokenness, a culture of disinformation, fear and despair, and leaders who say, do what I say, not what I do. I mean, you know, all the way back in the Old Testament, the book of Numbers talked about a time even among believers when people did what was right in their own eyes. Of course, God had a remedy for that then, and he has a remedy for that today. Do what is right in his eyes. Speak his truth in love. Be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, and always be ready to give an account of the hope that is within you that comes from his gospel good news. You know, we're going to have to learn how to do that because we have a culture today that is more determined to silence the truths of the Bible uh, more than ever before, not just by shame and ridicule, as outrageous as that is in a civil society, but now even by law, intimidation, fines, and even criminal charges. Wow. You know, right now in the United States of America, Christian adoption agencies are being threatened, Christian universities bullied, Christian-based homeless shelters sued, and that's not even to mention all the businesses owned and operated by Christians who just desire to love others as God and Christ loves them. Those are our topics for the program and relevant as ever they are. So today we are uh, talking with Ryan Tucker, uh, a friend and a partner in the religious liberty fight, that's for sure. But he's senior counsel and director of the Center for Christian Ministries with Alliance Defending Freedom. And uh, I, he oversees litigation efforts to maintain and defend religious freedom in America for our churches, our schools, our preschools, our universities, actually for us all, because religious liberty is something that everyone should cherish. It's a foundational right uh, for our country. So welcome uh, to our to the Liberty Alert, Ryan. Greg, thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. That's our pleasure, too. Well, listen, you and I both know that that ministries are facing increasing religious freedom challenges. Is it becoming more uh, punitive out there for churches and ministries to do their job? Absolutely. I mean, let's look at what's transpired in the last uh, couple of years. You know, I think most churches, uh, churchgoers, congregants looked at this and said, well, you know, I I hear these one-off uh, stories about uh, the government maybe trampling upon the rights of this individual or that individual, or these religious liberty fights are for like, like the Jack Phillips, the, you know, the color, right. uh, cake artists and others like that. But I think what COVID showed us and, and some of these more recent examples show us that a lot of these battles are actually at the church's doorstep, you know, not just literally, but, but uh, you know, just in a, in, a, in a broader sense. And so I think, uh, you know, times have certainly changed. And I've certainly seen that at ADF, the number of requests we've gotten. 
Well, and the thing for me, you know, I run into this in our church a lot. They think, oh, you're overstating the case. Uh, we really should just let these things play out and just keep doing our work and serve and serve and serve. And I'm saying, no, it's worse than that. They're literally trying to shut down the voice of the church so it cannot be heard. Do you think, um, do you think we're prepared? I mean, are, are, are churches prepared for what's coming? Uh, some are, you know, okay. some are, but I think vast majority are not. And I think, you know, your point's well taken. You know, one of the frustrations for me sometimes is, you know, we get so many calls and, uh, you know, oftentimes, you know, when I, when I have those initial conversations, it's usually like, um, well, you know, I heard about this happening to other people. I never thought it might happen to me. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And so I, I usually have to deal with facts as they're already written. But, you know, I think what's, what's great about what we're doing at ADF and what I think the church can do is be prepared. I mean, God calls us to, you know, be prepared, to be, to use um, what he's given us to, to be wise. And uh, I think there are things that the church can do to not only be prepared, but uh, to also share the love of Christ in the process as they're, they're going about uh, daily preparation. Well, and, you know, one of the taglines we always say in our program is speak the truth in love and be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And I think sometimes uh, we forget that God calls us to a cultural uh, challenge, too. We have to speak his law, his moral teachings, his moral ordering of the world, as well as his good news of the gospel. And it truly is the moral things that are under attack. And these are not ours. These are God's moral ordering of the world, right? That's that's absolutely right. I mean, if, if the church isn't speaking truth, then, you know, what is it that our, our kids and grandkids and fellow friends are listening to? All they hear is you, the enemy, the enemy's voice. I mean, we right. have to step forward. We have to step up. We have to engage. Well, that, that's exactly right. And we do have an engagement strategy because God engages the world. I mean, he's the one who preserves it. He's the one who saves it. And we want to be useful in his hands. And so that's my biggest issue. When you deal with these kinds of things, people need to know that ministry is being thwarted. Ministry is being uh, subdued. And, you know, I, I think a couple of years back, you were dealing with a, a case in, in Anchorage, the the downtown Hope Center. And um, I think you won that case, but it's come back, hasn't it? What's going on with all that? It, it has. And I and I think it, it probably is maybe a, just the best illustration of, of uh, you know, sort of where we're at in society. So the, the downtown Hope Center is a just a great ministry in Anchorage, Alaska. They cater to uh, women who are um, unfortunately have gone through the, the the most difficult traumas, sexual abuse, sex trafficking, that sort of thing. And in Anchorage, Alaska, there's no refuge solely devoted for women. And so, what this great organization does is during the day they cater to everyone. They give them soup. They feed the homeless. And as folks on, you know, the coasts both know, there's been a huge homeless issue. And, and Anchorage, Alaska is no different than any of the other big cities on, on, the, on the Pacific side. Mm-hmm. And so what they do is they, they serve soup to these folks. Well, one day a man uh, who had a criminal record, by the way, and he was a known uh, individual in the community, he showed up. He decided to put on a pink nightgown and say, well, today I'm, you know, a female. And I want entry into your overnight shelter, again, where only women sleep three feet away from one another, some of which maybe the night before, you know, could have experienced sexual trauma. Uh, it, it, it happens, unfortunately, wow. more often than not. 100% of these women are in that, in, that, in that situation. So this individual shows up. He was actually bloodied and bruised. And uh, the Downtown Hope Center director looked at him and said, my goodness, um, 
you know, putting aside whether or not you get entry, you need medical attention. So they actually got the guy medical attention. Well, the reward for being nice was a discrimination complaint filed against them. And he said, well, you didn't let me into your facility. And uh, the the city of Anchorage at the time looked at that and says, oh, you know, you know, that's right. We've actually got laws in the books that says you can't discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. And uh, uh, we're going to help this individual in his complaint against you. And so that started, I mean, it sounds crazy, but that started litigation a couple of years ago where we actually had to go get an injunction to allow a religious nonprofit to be able to cater uh, to uh, women and not have to deal with men who wanted entry into to the facility. That's incredible. Uh, it's absolutely incredible. Thankfully, we were able to, to prevail uh, two years ago. I think it was 2019 when we had that case. But guess what? This past summer, the city council up there uh, decided to change the law in an effort to force this religious nonprofit um, to allow men into their women-only shelter. And wow. so um, it, it, yeah. those are the type of things that actually would be commonplace if, if uh, legislation like the Equality Act and these other pieces of legislation that sound good, but in reality, they're not. Those type, that would be the law of the land if those type measures were actually passed. Well, what, what, what's troubling to me, too, is that this is your government now. I mean, when you start, when the government sues you, that's a whole different ballgame. You know, it, it, when you get the weight of it, because there's there's almost unlimited money, unlimited opportunity. And I remember when we were working in New York City, we had a pregnancy center and we had a couple of frivolous lawsuits that were brought against us. But, you know, we looked in our bank account. We had like eighty thousand dollars in our bank account. You know, and they looked at that and they said, one, yeah, it's one litigation and you're done. And, and I said, people don't realize that churches are out there serving and caring for people. And there are people literally looking at those ministries and saying, let's target those things and put them out of business. And I, it's hard for me to explain that to people, but you, you've heard it from, you've heard it from the opposition. They, they really, not only don't they like the church, they want the church out of business. Well, absolutely. Using the same type law, there was actually a church in Massachusetts also um, not too long ago where um, they passed a law that that included basically the activities of this particular church, uh, which would make it basically illegal. Let's say the church wanted to have a, a spaghetti dinner to serve uh, the community and open their doors. You know, are they then subject now to all of these, you know, gender identity laws and restroom usage and all of that kind of thing? Well, the position of this uh, Massachusetts town was indeed, yes, you are. And so we were forced to go and file a lawsuit on on their behalf. So, you know, and again, you know, I teach people, I'm trying to teach people the constitutional limitation of government and all the things that our founding fathers set in place. It sounds like we've got uh, not the constitutional limitation, but we've got an overarching government that can come after the church in, in, in a variety of ways. I mean, and that that's what's so scary, right? Um, well, it, it is. It is. And I know, you know, th- let's take a let's take a controversial topic like vaccines. You know, ADF, um, we are we're involved in some of the the, the, the OSHA private employer mandate uh, litigation. And I you know, one of the questions I get is, well, why in the world would you be involved in that space? Well, first off, this ain't about the vaccine. Right. This is about the government overreach. And guess what? For private, so religious organizations, we represent some seminaries, some Christian schools, also there are churches that also have schools. And when you start adding up the number of teachers, all of a sudden you get to well over 100. Well, if OSHA can can basically come into your backyard 
and be involved in your employment decisions, that is a that is a big time problem. If you allow, so a lot of people look at it and say, oh, well, you know, what's the big harm? Uh, what's the big deal? Um, don't they care about health and safety? Now, time out. Wait a second. You're, this is the government invading upon the autonomy of the church. Yeah, and people need to understand, I mean, A, our country, our culture, actually thought the church was an essential organization to everybody's liberty. Now, we're not just fighting for our protection. We're fighting because we believe that the message of the church really is part of the reason why this, this, this country created the liberties that it has. And so if you're out there preaching and teaching the whole counsel of God, you are trying to love your neighbor. And here comes this group now that's using the government to actually silence your voice. And, you know, it troubles me when I see people who have no problem with with conscience issues or differences of, you know, political or moral differences. Suddenly we have a group saying we're going to make it illegal. Well, we're the kind of people want to talk about that over the fence. You know, we want to talk about that with our neighbor, learn how to dialogue with our neighbor about those things, or at least agree to disagree. We're, we're now dealing with folks who are saying, well, you're not going to even have a voice. Um, so you were talking about the Equality Act. I mean, the spirit of the Equality Act goes right to the heart of that, right? I mean, that is an overarching uh, le- legislation that could, could, could set the church, could put the church in the basement, if, if not oh, out of it, business. It- it, it, it really, it absolutely could. And I think, you know, it's so deceptive, the name, because when you hear things like the Equality Act or some of these very creative names that are attached to certain pieces of legislation, you stop and think, well, gosh, who's, you know, what's wrong with that? Boy, I don't, I don't want to discriminate. Well, of course, that's got nothing to do with it. What it, what it, it does have everything to do with, though, is a trampling of, of, your, of your religious freedom. The, the very foundations, again, that you were just talking about, of, of where this country came from, why, why, uh, why we came to this this new land, you know, to, right. to not have to deal with with those those type issues. And I think, you know, what you saw in, in Anchorage, Alaska, um, what you see in, say, women's sports. I mean, I've got four kids myself. I've got a couple of daughters. I've got one that ran cross country, even in the great state of Texas, where I'm calling you from right now. I mean, there's still issues here where it seems um, commonsensical to not allow um, a, uh, a, a high school male athlete to run against a female high school athlete and to take away opportunities from that female. It seems sort of commonsensical, if not uh, obviously fair to allow that to be separate. Mm-hmm. But that's not what would take place if, if laws like the Equality Act were to come into existence. I mean, that's why we're fighting in that space as well. Um, it's really an all-out war on women in some respects and in, in, in some of the cases we've seen, but it's also a war on the church, on the big C church, on, you know, Bible believing Christians. If you say, if you speak truth, um, you know, that, that is uh, in some circles um, problematic and they don't want to hear it and they want to shut you down. And right. so, um, you know, I think most folks, if they, even, even pastors, uh, congregational leaders, if they really stop and think about it, a lot of them look at these issues as though they're quote unquote political. The reality is if they look at their sermon notes from, from last Sunday, they're actually touching upon topics we're litigating right now. Yeah. And I think that's where I go to it too. Um, you know, it's not just like you just said, uh, these things are against women. Uh, these things are against the church, big C, but these things are ultimately at war with the God who created the world and who morally ordered the world. I mean, that, that's what the, the war is, is against. And if, if God actually loves us and, and these things are true, then we have to speak these 
even though they hit us too. I mean, we're broken too. So these laws hit us too. But when you can't even say that God created male and female, when, when you can't even say that today without, you know, punishment, um, that's, right. that's the war against God's authority uh, of the world. You know, I, I saw another lawsuit that you guys, I, I don't know how, how deep you are in this one yet, but the, the REAP lawsuit. And the reason why I wanted to touch on that is you talked about euphemisms, you know, and how they cover, you know, what they're really doing. And I love what they said, reap. Uh, well, maybe we have sowed the wind and we are reaping the whirlwind with, with this sexual chaos and sexual confusion. But this is a group, again, that kind of an Equality Act type of group that's coming for Christian universities. And what are they doing? Yeah, so you have a collection of uh, of individual plaintiffs. So these are either current or former students of certain universities that were recruited by this entity called REAP that's based out in uh, uh, Oregon. Okay. And what they are arguing is that um, if you are a Christian university, if you want to attend, if let's say that I'm a student and uh, you want to attend a Christian university, uh, you should not be able to obtain federal financial assistance if that university, in fact, adheres to biblical truth on biblical sexuality, on marriage between a man and a woman. They certain, they want to take away the right of a, a university, quite honestly, to, to hold that viewpoint. So you either capitulate uh, on the issue or, um, you know, you lose the ability to attract students that need federal financial assistance. Mm-hmm. I think the the law, so this lawsuit was filed back in, in April. Uh, I am involved in that particular case. It does uh, pose a, a threat, certainly, to all of these Christian institutions across the United States that adhere to basic biblical truth. Um, I don't think it has any um, legal basis, um, but we, we continue to fight that battle. In fact, uh, just uh, a week and a half ago, I was part of a three-day hearing on this very, very subject. So um, we'll have to see what happens in the coming days. I think that case should be dismissed, but it's greatly representative of where we're at, um, both in the context of just society in general, but also the way um, certain you know individuals or governmental entities want to use laws against individuals that are simply speaking truth. Well, it's really interesting. We met with uh, Pastor Poihala. He's a Finnish bishop of the Lutheran Church, and I know your international wing is working with his lawsuit in Pivi Rasanen. Um, and and I'm 50% Finn, so I'm also kind of in it with him too because my grandparents, my grandparents' homeland. And it's just it was funny because well, funny. Uh, it, they basically are being put on trial for their teachings on marriage and sexuality, sex. Sexual practice within the confines of marriage, and they can go to jail for two years, and or even worse, I think, would be the unlimited uh, fines that they'd have to pay. That it's probably bank- something that would bankrupt, you know, both of them. And again, one of the the phrases that came out is uh, Pivi Rosinen, who's a p- politician. She said something like, well, we have Bibles in our in our um, uh, libraries. I mean, are we supposed to take all those Bibles out and, you know, and throw them away? And they said, no, 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 you can you can leave those in our libraries and you can even read them. You just can't believe them. (laughs) They actually said that to them. (laughs) It it is amazing. The honesty sometimes, quite honestly, and 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 government officials and what they're saying, and you know, I you know, your 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 mention of Europe, I think, is a good one because if you want to see what life may be like, all you have to do is look across the pond and see what's happening over there. 
Um, as you mentioned, ADF fortunately does have an international arm and they're fighting uh, a ton of battles over there. But in many instances, those battles they're fighting, you know, are one step worse, honestly, than, than, uh, than what we're dealing with. But, you know, if we don't stand up, if we don't speak truth, and again, um, you know, we, we can speak truth and love. Ultimately, we know who wins this. I mean, we know this is Christians. And so I think that sometimes that lends the, the Bible-believing Christian to suggest, well, maybe I should just be quiet about it because I do know how this story is written. Yes, we right. do. As, as, as believers in Christ, we know how this story ends. But that doesn't take away the responsibility we have to actually speak truth. Because some, for me personally, I'm sure for others, you have to hear truth. You have to understand your own depravity and, and, and the fact that you need you know, Christ and his blood. You have to understand those things in order to come to Christ. And by being silent and not saying anything, you're not doing anything to further that. Yeah, I, and you, I think it's unbiblical, frankly. Yeah, it is. And I also think that I also tell people God gave it's God's gift, the First Amendment. I mean, it's not his saving gift. Obviously, his saving gift is the personal work of Jesus and by grace alone through faith. But in this particular culture, because he didn't even give it to Europe, Europe doesn't have really this First Amendment undergirding protection. Uh, well, let's at least put it to use until the until it's taken away, because it's hard to preach the gospel when all hell is breaking loose in the culture. And the First Amendment actually prevents that uh, really well. So, you know, I, I call them secular blasphemy laws because i think we're fighting secular pietism it's a it's a religious movement that's coming after us but you know people if i said man you could be strung up for um actually disobeying the secular blasphemy law people would think i'm talking about some crazy religious uh uh, place uh, across the pond it's it's here now yeah, think about this. You know, I just, you know, obviously I'm thinking out from Texas. We lived in the great state of Arizona for a while, too. And in, in my backyard of Phoenix, Arizona, there's a law in the books that prevented a, a calligrapher and an artist from being able to um, uh, to to cater to. They, they had uh, friends of theirs, others where they wanted to celebrate weddings with them. Right. And so they wanted to create art for them. Well, Phoenix had on, on its books and several large metropolitan areas have on their books these laws that say, look, if you're going to be in this space, if you're a creative professional, then you must create messages that you disagree with. So if a, a, a male and a male came to them and said, we want you to write this Bible verse celebrating Dan and Johnny, you would be required. And guess what? It's not just it's not just monetary penalties. In Phoenix, there was also a criminal provision associated right. with it. So a lot of People are thinking, oh, well, this is just across the pond. This is elsewhere. No, this is in your backyard. And a lot of these laws are on your books right now. Now, some of them aren't being enforced. um, But at some point, who knows? And so, you know, we've we've had to, unfortunately, we had to go to bat for them. We had to go all the way to the Arizona Supreme Court uh, on their behalf. We did win that, fortunately. But uh, that, that story is not unique. Well, it's a crazy law. And I, uh, we wrote an op-ed on this once called, Why Does Every Deli Need to Be Kosher? You know, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, if as long as there's another place for you to go, you can't walk in and impose uh, onto somebody your conscience issues onto them. And, and we're being told now, yes, you can. All right. Well, what can, what can the church do? I mean, I know you guys are a great resource. Uh, one of the things I think you do is you provide an opportunity to look at church documents to make sure that they're, they're at least uh, fight, not fireproof, but, you know, prepared. What are some of the other things right. that churches and people can yeah. do? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, obviously you can learn more about just the work we're doing at ADF by going to ADFlegal.org. But more specifically as to churches, 
if you go to adfchurchalliance.org, uh, the Church Alliance is a ministry of ADF where we're, we're trying to uh, enable churches to be proactive. If they have, um, there are certain documents, there may be like a, how are they using their facilities? We can help them with the facility use agreements to make sure that it, we, it's not fireproof per se in a sense that, you know, they won't ever see the courthouse, but what we can do is best prepare them for it. So I think it's just being prudent. Um, there are lawyers actually on staff at ADF whose sole responsibility is to communicate with church, with churches to assist them to be proactive, to look at their documents, to field phone calls from them if they have a certain issue. Uh, we also have the same program for other ministries, non-churches as well. So we have what's called the Ministry Alliance. So there's ADFMinistryAlliance.org that you can go to to find out. So they represent you know, crisis pregnancy centers, homeless shelters like the Downtown Hope Center I mentioned before, um, Christian camps, others, you name it. Um, you know, we, we, we try to assist as best we can. And if we can't, we also have a network of 3,000 plus allied lawyers across the United States where we can also direct them to if we need to. Well, we really appreciate that, Ryan, and we appreciate how much you do for that. Uh, thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much, Greg. Always a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in today. To get to know our LCRL DC work better, check out our website at lcrlfreedom.org. Till next time, God bless you always. I'm Gregory Seltz. Have a great week. You've been listening to Liberty Alert with Dr. Gregory Seltz, Executive Director of the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty in Washington, D.C. This program has been brought to you by the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty. 